Welcome back to the Eye on the Tigers podcast. I am Dave Matter, Mizzou beat writer for the Post-Dispatch, stltoday.com, and we have a, uh, a really special guest today, and hopefully he will make several appearances on the podcast this fall, but this is our first time to really introduce our readers, uh, and our listeners, I should say, to Callum McAndrew. He's our new campus correspondent for this year. Um, he had his first byline in uh, last week on, on Friday, wrote about the Mizzou running backs, Uh, We're really fortunate to have this program that I kind of set up a few years ago to have, um, you know, a Mizzou student uh, that is, you know, covered the the team to some degree and and in the journalism school that could help us out with the beat with a couple stories a week. And uh, and and Callum is is no stranger to the Mizzou beat. He covered the Tigers last year for the Columbia Missourian and uh, really, really fortunate to have him on board this year. You probably you might remember him. He kind of. Callum, you kind of went Mizzou viral last year. It's kind of midway through the season uh, when when Tyler Beatty just out, like halfway through this year just discovered your accent, which was uh, I think that says more about uh, how often we talk to Tyler than anything else. But um, yeah, right. that was kind of your your you had written a bunch of great stories and good coverage before then. But I guess in the in our Twitter world, that's maybe when you uh, you were discovered. So uh, so formal introduction. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us like a a quick bio sketch of who Callum McAndrew is. And uh, then we're going to talk some Mizzou football. All right. Yeah. So yeah. Um, hello everybody. I'm Callum. Uh, yeah. No, so I've been living in uh, Columbia for about the past year and a half. I came over here to get my master's degree from Mizzou. Um, started up writing over at the Columbia, Missouri and started out on the Columbia college beat and then moved over to, to Mizzou football. Uh, I, you can probably tell I'm not from Missouri. Uh, I'm from uh, close to Edinburgh in Scotland. I've lived around Europe for a little bit. I was in Munich for a while. Went and played, uh, had a very mediocre college golf career in North Carolina, a place called Brevard College. Um, not a D2 standout by any means. Um, and then back to Scotland for a little while and then decided I wanted to come back over this way. So here we are working, working out here. You are the first uh, college athlete to be uh, one of our campus correspondents, so that's that's, that's a very loose definition of college athlete as well. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, at some point we're going to get out on the golf course, and part of this job is going to be to fix my swing. So we'll see. If we can, <laughs> we'll see if we can work on that. No one first, I think. <laughs> All right. Well, we have uh, so Mizzou has practiced for about a week now. We're <laughs> recording this on Monday morning. Um, we have been at three practices and I'm using air quotes here because we see about the first 20 to 25 minutes. There was a day in there where uh, Eli Drinkwitz with about a minute or two left and when we were supposed to leave announced that we could stay for two more periods. So yeah. that was, that was enlightening. Um, and he made sure to point out that was his idea to let us, <laughs> stay I think period seven, usually we have to leave at the end of period five. Uh, so we don't, we don't see as much as when I was younger and covering this team, uh, back in the Gary Pinkle years, you know, you could stay for every period of every practice and you could report on everything that happened. That's just not really how college football teams do it these days. Ben and I discussed that on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. It's a shame, but that's just reality. So we we can only, you know, write and, uh, you know, report on what we see and then what, you know, players and coaches talk about. But obviously they're very filtered when they get to us and they know that there's things that we haven't seen. Uh, so sometimes... I, you have to be careful and not read too much into what we see and just try to make sense of it and make some observations. But, you know, I, I think we've seen enough to where you can kind of get a sense of some things, at least, you know, who's out there, you know, who's practicing, kind of get a feel for who's working with which unit. 
that will be, I think, more uh, neatly defined after they really scrimmage. And then they'll start adjusting their depth chart. They won't tell us about that, but we can kind of see who's working with whom. Um, but through the first three practices, Callum, what is, is anything kind of jumped out to you either, um, you know, caught your eye that you think is interesting that may, you know, kind of go forward and telling us more about who this team is? Yeah, I, I, it's like you say, you know, we can't, you know, we can't make sweeping statements about, you know, a lot that we see because there is there's so much that we don't see that we don't get to, right. to observe um, but you do see just sort of through those five periods you begin to see some patterns about who's practicing with who and um you know there's there's some places where things are repeating over and over again like the the defensive and offensive lines seem to be pretty consistent yeah uh, in the majority of cases and then there's things that are you know who the receivers are practicing with quarterback wise who the running backs are, are taking handoffs from there's there's so much stuff that that we we just can't tell and it's it's conjecture it's saying to right. make a prediction but yeah you begin to see some patterns and i think the lines are where we've seen that the most over the past couple of days yeah especially the offensive line i think that's something that you don't want to be mixing and matching too much in camp because you want those guys to be playing next to the same guy all the time and maybe they'll sub out at some positions but for the most part you stick with five guys and if you know who they are and by the second week of camp, um, you know, unless there's an injury or somebody's play just really drops off, then that's, that's going to be pretty consistent. So I think we, we're starting to see that a little bit. I, everybody wants to know about quarterback. Obviously we've seen a few drills uh, where they're clearly um, working in, in some kind of order. Uh, Brady cook took the first snaps. Uh, we saw some goal line stuff the other day. Uh, clearly that was the first unit. Tyler Macon was next in, and, and I, I think I'm right. He, you know, he, he took some snaps with the, with the ones also, not as, maybe not as many as Cook, um, but he was definitely the first quarterback off the bench. And then, you know, again, you, you're kind of – you don't want to read too much into things, but Sam Horn was next, mm -hmm. uh, and then Jack Abraham did not take part in the goal line drills, and he also was the only quarterback wearing a green jersey, which usually means, hey, you know, you can't, can't touch that guy. And they were – they were making some contact with the other guys. I mean, at one point cook kept the ball on a little keeper and he was down at the bottom of the pile and, and popped right back up. But that's, you normally don't see them let the quarterbacks get hit like that. So I thought that was interesting. Um, I don't read too much into which newcomers get their numbers first, but there is something to it. And Sam Horn did get his number several days before Jack Abraham, um, which tells you that he did more early on to earn that than, than Abraham did. Uh, again, that doesn't mean Abraham can't have a great second week or a third week and and play better than Horn. But uh, you know, when, when they only let us see that much, you know, you got to kind of make some connections and draw some conclusions. And um, you know, right now, I think it's fair to say that is it Cook's job to lose? Uh, he sure seems like the number one choice right now. But you know, there's still some time left. There's still some scrimmages that. They've got that open practice on the 20th. It'll be interesting just to see how much they show then and how much they let people see. They know that, you know, media will be out there. And I think they're actually doing interviews after that one this year. They didn't last time, last summer. So still a lot of camp left, but like you said, starting to see some patterns and, and starting to see enough that we can begin to draw, you know, a few conclusions about what this team is going to look like on September 1st. But um, but again, you got to, you got to take everything with a bit of a caveat because we only see such a small percentage of what they're doing out there. Um, all right. I want to talk about, let's, let's, I asked you beforehand, do a little prep work for the podcast. 
let's each come up with a guy on each side of the ball that we are especially intrigued by in camp. Uh, not necessarily a newcomer, not necessarily a veteran, but somebody whose role is, is going to be maybe a little bit bigger than it was and is, you know, is going to play a pivotal role. So let's start on offense. Everybody loves hearing and talking about the offense. So who you got is your kind of guy in the spotlight. I think the guy who's, Rose going to be the most drastically different on offense is going to be Connor Tolleson. Yep. Uh, from, from everything we've seen, it looks like he's the front runner to replace Mike Maietti at center. A crazily high recruited guy, you know, yeah. from Alabama and um, Arkansas and Oklahoma and a lot of, lot of really good programs. Um, but only played a couple of games last year. Yeah. I think one of them was against SEMO. The other one was in the bowl game. And I think he even lined up at tight end in the bowl game, if I remember right. So yeah, like an extra tackle. Yeah. uh, Just, you know, it's going to be a really interesting step up, but a guy that from what we've seen looks incredibly talented. Um, I heard he was roommates with Mike Maia at one point, I think. So that's, that's interesting there. Um, Yeah. I'm I'm interested to see that step up because he's still a redshirt freshman. He's still incredibly young and that's going to be a really, really big position to fill. And he's a big guy. Like my Eddie was a very undersized, SEC offensive lineman you can get away with having a shorter center and my Eddie certainly was but he Tollison's like legit 6'4 6'5 and uh you know low man wins in in football on the line of scrimmage but you know he seems athletic enough to where that that height won't be a disadvantage to him uh, I even asked him about that the other day and he you know he's, he's been a tackle in his high school career so there's an adjustment playing inside a little bit more and obviously snapping the ball I think what's interesting about him his recruiting rankings, I don't know if you've ever looked at these. Um, if you look at the different sites, they're really different. Um, and this is not a shot at any of them, uh, but it just shows you that they don't always agree. So right. Rivals.com had him as the 16th best player in the state of Missouri. And Missouri doesn't produce that many power five guys to where you get down to 16 and you think you've got like a big impact player. But then 24-7 sports had him as number two in the state and had him as the number 19 offensive tackle in the country. So he was almost, by that by their rankings, he was almost higher ranked nationally than he was in the state. <laughs> uh, and, then, and then on three, uh, which is a newer recruiting side, had him as the number four uh, player in the state of Missouri. So a little bit lower, but much closer to the top. And again, as the 19th offensive tackle. So if you if you eliminate the rivals rankings and you know sometimes they're better on some players more accurate sometimes the other sites are I don't really get into that too much um, he is an elite style or elite type recruit and you mentioned the offers that he had uh, that speaks to how highly thought of this guy was so uh, a, a talented guy big frame seems pretty smart um, you know that you got to be to play center so yeah he's a he's a, a really interesting guy to watch and you know he he steps in this spot because Bensi Polgar, the, the guy, they, the transfer they got from Buffalo, is, was ruled ineligible for the season. Um, I'm not convinced that Tollison couldn't have won the job anyway. You know, I think there's a chance that could have happened. From, uh, from what we've seen in those yeah. early days, it definitely seems like it. Yeah, I mean, he looks like he's in pretty good shape. Uh, watching some of those drills they did just on air, like he really gets out and can run for a, uh, for a big guy. So, yeah, he, he's definitely somebody to watch. My offensive choice and somebody I wrote about, you're going to be writing about Tollison for later in the week. So yes, yep. uh, listeners look out for that. I believe on Wednesday, uh, Tuesday night on stltoday.com. Uh, Dominic Lovett's my guy. You know, he is, he had an okay freshman year. You know, he played a lot, didn't get a lot of touches, 
as the passing game sort of deteriorated in the second half of the season with Connor Basilek's injury, his numbers really just kind of disappeared. Uh, he was out there, but not really getting touches. It was weird because he'd start some games, but then come out and not play many snaps at all. He was playing on the outside. Um, and it just didn't seem like things were really clicking for him. You know, he, he'd get the ball like behind the line of scrimmage or right at the line of scrimmage and could never get any yards after contact or yards after the catch. But now they moved him to the slot and, you know, in the spring game, and you don't want to read too much into a spring game. He was electric. Like he was really, really impressive in space. And he was playing with, I think, Tyler Macon that day. And those two played, you know, one year high school together at East St. Louis. Um, but man, he looked good. He looked like that's the spot he should have been all along. And, and Eli Drinkwitz has said as much, you know, it was probably a mistake to not have him in the slot. Um, but he adjusted and has a really positive attitude. I, I wrote about him last week. Um, you know, he wasn't at least publicly what he's sharing now. He wasn't frustrated at all by his role last year. He just realized that's part of the deal when you're a freshman, but I think he could have a, a big breakout year. Now he's going to have to share snaps with, Barrett Bannister, uh, who we know is going to be on the field and catch passes and get first downs because that's what he does. And an, another guy you're going to be writing about is Mookie Cooper, who you know coaches have been raving about what he did this summer. So you got to find a way to get all those guys on the field. But uh, you know, I, I think what we've seen of Lovett, uh, you know, could really he could be a guy that has a, a breakout type season. Yeah, he was, he was always just one of those players that every now and then last season you would just you would see something from and you would think, whoa, like, that, okay, that was intriguing, at least. At the very least, that was like for a guy that's just come out of high school, right. you know, just that little burst of pace, that little, you know, finding a little bit of space, he, he really looks like a player. And from everyone that we've heard and seen so far, it seems like he's maybe taking another step forward. Yeah. Getting a little bit more game time. Right. And, you know, I'm sure, too, like, you bring in Luther Burden, who is a star recruit from St. Louis and, you know, played at East St. Louis his senior year, and he's getting all the attention and love, and deservedly so because of the player that he is. But, you know, that – and even if they're really tight, if you're Dominic Lovett, you might be a little bit motivated by that and say, hey, don't forget about me. So, And they play different positions, so they can feed off of each other and take advantage of mismatches and, and things like that. So that'll be interesting to watch unfold for sure. That's, that's something I think could happen to Mookie Cooper as well. Yeah, um, yeah. Just the way, the way he was kind of revered the same way, not quite in the same fashion as Burden, but last year he was right. sort of the person everyone was talking about on that offense and then just had to play through injuries all year and never looked fully yeah. fit. So I think there could be a little little chip there as well. Yeah, for sure. There's only so many balls to go around, but two, you're going to have injuries, you know, things are going to pop up, so you need some depth there, and I think they, I think they have some. Um, all right, let's shift to defense. Um, I know there's a, a guy that you're you're looking at that um, is probably going to have a bigger role this year because he kind of started off slow last year. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, so I, I think uh, linebacker is going to be a really interesting position this year, and I think uh, Chad Bailey could be a, a, a guy that maybe comes on a little bit from where he was last year. I think by the end of last season, it was kind of clear that he should have been starting a little bit more often. Yeah. Um, you know, Blaze Aldridge was really hot and cold. Uh, and you know, you, you know, we saw a lot more from Chad Bailey sort of as that season started winding down. Just to got a little bit more experience now, a little bit. He looks healthy, looks fit from what we've seen. So, it, it, somebody that I'm really interested to see this year. Yeah, he's a guy that he he had injuries early in his career, and that kind of kept him off the field. But as a recruit, I I think he was one of at the time at least one of the highest rated 
out-of-state defensive oh. players Missouri has signed. Okay. Uh, maybe ever in like the modern era of recruiting rankings and all that. Uh, so he was really highly thought of. And then just, you know, injuries, he had torn his ACL and uh, they had some other decent linebackers in the Odom years and he just couldn't quite stay on the field. But like, I, I agree with you. I thought he was impressive down the stretch last year and was one of the reasons that I thought that defense looked at least competent in the second half. Yeah. Of the season. They, weren't, they weren't great, but they were, they were better than they were in the first half, obviously. Uh, all right. Up front though, I'm, I'm looking at some of these D tackles they brought in. Uh, they, they, they brought in a bunch power five guys that have played a lot, frankly played for better teams and better defenses than Missouri. Uh, and now they're, you know, the, the expectation is that that, that group will be upgraded. Uh, you bring in Jaden Jernigan from Oklahoma state. Well, we talked to him on Sunday, uh, a really personable guy. I think he's highly motivated. He's probably tired of everybody asking how he can play in the sec when he's so small. Uh, and he's, he's not, you know, he's, he's, he's big for a human being. He's just kind of maybe a little small for an sec D tackle, like six foot, 280, 270. Uh, but that is a little smaller than some other guys. And then Christian Williams is a lot bigger. Um, three fifteen or so, six three, six two, but he comes from Oregon, where he's an okay player. Was on the field a lot, um, you know, not an all Pac twelve guy, but I just think with depth alone, that group can be better. I mean, you're not going to have to rely on just three guys or four guys to play all the snaps like a year ago. And I, you know, Akil Byers and Kobe Whiteside, I, I don't know, they didn't seem to have great years last season. Uh, Makai Wingo was very promising, and we know what happened there. He transfers to LSU. So you bring back Darius Robinson, who was in and out of the lineup last year with some injuries, and then you surround him with some of these transfers who uh, have played for really good programs and good defenses. I, I think that group – I mean, they need to be better for this defense to be better, but I, I think it could be much, much better than what we saw last year. And uh, it's just interesting. They went really heavy at that spot, and they went out and got a bunch of guys, and they're just going to see how it works. Uh, yeah, uh, and you can tell that the, the emphasis is, since the end of last season has been on improving that line immediately. You know, hiring Kevin Peoples to get a second coach in there to help along Al yep. Davis, who, for all intents and purposes, was uh, actually a very good addition after uh, they fired Jethro Franklin. Yeah. Um, bringing in all these guys, I mean, it was, I mean, it was nightmarish at points last season. It oh, was, yeah. I mean, it was, it was difficult to watch. Um, but just from what we've seen so far as well, you know, those goal line drills that they were doing. They just looked like a competent unit even early on. It looked yeah. like it was a look less holes, less gaps, really, you know, quick, quick off snap. It was interesting to watch at the very least. Um, yeah, it really was. And, and, and also too, like when you get transfers, um, that's a, th those are positions, those are hard to find ready-made freshman D tackles. Um, you need to develop those guys in the weight room and just get them ready for the physicality of the game. But when you bring in veteran guys who have done it before already at the power five level, um, you kind of, you're, you're cutting corners a little bit, but that's, that's a good way to do it. And uh, that way it gives guys like Marquise Graciel and Jalen Marshall two who look like really good prospects at D tackle, you know, they don't need those guys to be major players on the line this year. Now maybe they will be, but you don't have to have that because you bring in these, these older guys. So I think that speaks to the depth you were talking about as well, though. Having, having, you know, I mean, Marcus Gracial looks college ready. You know, oh, looks, yeah. I mean, it's uh, kind of frightening. It's, <laughs> I had when the roster came out, I had some fans ask me uh, my chat and social media, like, "Gosh, she's listed at three thirty. Like, 
is that a problem? And then I saw him up close. I, I actually walked across the bridge over Providence with him one day. And I'm like, this dude hides 330 pretty well. I mean, he is, <laughs> he's a monstrous and you don't kind of reminds me of, I and mean, I'm going to get in trouble here because people are, I'm, I'm not going to blow him up in any way, but like Sheldon Richardson was a 300 pound D tackle at Missouri. And he was, he was slim for a 300 pounder. He hit his weight really well because he was so powerful and put together and Graciel physically reminds me of that a little bit, but a much bigger frame. I mean, we're talking about six four. Um, so yeah, he's got the he's got the goods. He's just got to learn now how to play the position at the college level. And getting those transfers, you know, gives them the luxury of not having to play a guy like that on day right. one necessarily. Yeah. So I think they're in good shape there. I mean, I'm cautiously optimistic about how good they can be up front. Um, again, though, remember a year ago this time they were talking about the D line was the strength of the team, and Five yeah. games later, they fire the position coach. That might have been a lie. That <laughs> <laughs> might have been. Yeah. <laughs> it also points to, I think, they're being a little bit more measured in comments like this this year because right. you can't really win when you're just kind of basing on blind faith at this point. All right. So I asked for some questions from our readers, and I said the most unique questions we're going to try to address. And uh, this, this can be hit or miss. <laughs> I'm afraid it's going to be more missed than hit today, but okay. Here's one from our old friend, uh, Max Baker, who uh, oh. of course held this position campus correspondent last year. He's probably upset because I don't think we ever had him on the podcast and here you are preseason camp already on. So <laughs> I'll take the, I'll take the L on that one. He says, if Callum were offered $1 million to join the live tour, would he do it? <laughs> All right. Uh, so Max already knows my answer to this. We've we've talked about this at length. Um, the, the, I, live golf's an abomination to the sport in my eyes. It's, um, wow, coming out uh, strong. That's, uh, yeah, I, I don't respect anyone's decision to go over there and, and, and take that money. Um, is there problems with the PGA Tour? Yes. Um, do they want a Division II mediocre college golfer? I'm going to guess they're not offering me a million dollars. But they, I mean, they do have a lot, so we'll see. We'll see. It'd be tough to turn down, but I think I think I would, I would just hold strong to my morals there. I mean, if, if it gets into like a, a bargaining, like negotiating style, I don't know if the Post-Dispatch can outbid the yeah. <laughs> million dollars for this season. So, um, so yeah, that's that's about all I can offer there. Okay, here we go. We're, we've got a we've got another kind of football question here. Oh. Um, what would it take for Callum? This is from Anthony Christians and also another boy, these former Missourian writers love to, uh, Mizzou beat writers love to chime in here. It's from Anthony Christians and really good job covering Mizzou basketball last year. Now he covers uh, Evansville, uh, for the, for the courier press wants to know what would it take? These are all about you. What's going on? What would it take for Callum to support the Rangers? Oh, God. What, what Scottish sports figure is most like Eli Drinkwitz? Okay, well, I mean, that's the these Missouri beat writers are just bringing up everything I hate here. That's I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big Celtic fan, uh, for anyone that follows Scottish soccer, which I'm sure in Missouri is probably just me, but they, they um, no, so that that's not happening. That's there's there's more hatred there than than perhaps even live golf. Um, the oh, Scottish, Scottish sports figure that's like Eli Drinkwitz, that's tough. We don't you, have probably, you could probably say anybody, and most listeners be like, oh, okay, I buy it, sure. That's a good point. Um, I think we've had maybe two famous sports figures in the past 20 years, and it was, uh, both of them might be Andy Murray. I, I think. <laughs> um, 
that's a tough one. I don't have an answer for you there, Anthony. Let, let me think on that, and I'll, uh, okay. I'll, I'll well, put on the Twitter replies. We'll address it next time. Okay, so so you're a Scottish soccer fan. Do you so do you follow the Premier League? Do you have a Premier League team? Yeah, I, I don't have a Premier League team. How does so that I, work? If you're from Scotland, do you even care about the Premier League, or do you get to pick whoever you like? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll watch it. Um, I don't know. It's, it's it's one of those cases where it, it gets so much more money than the Scottish League, and right. uh, you know that kind of rubs me the wrong way a little bit. Um, I like watching it though. I'll play. I'll play fantasy football and stuff for that. That, but um, no, I was I was a lifelong Celtic fan. I, I was a season ticket holder when I lived there, so um, can't uh, wouldn't uh, wouldn't betray them. Okay, okay. Well, I okay. So like for the last five six years, I've tried to find a Premier League team. I, okay. Or if you have no connection, you have to like study them a little bit, and it's you don't want to root for like the obvious teams that are you know fueled by billionaires and just win by signing the best players. Like it's no fun to root for the Yankees. So like that, that eliminates like the Manchester teams, um, Chelsea. Yeah. I, I kind of went back and forth. So like a year ago, I decided I did some, I'm, I'm going off on a tangent here. I have an aunt who is big into genealogy study and she discovered that we have some bloodlines that go through Nottingham. Okay. Uh, I, I want to say it's great, great, great grandfather on my grandmother's side on my dad's side came to America from Nottingham. Was it Robin Hood? Was that his? <laughs> but literally grew up his at, I found it like where he's buried and it's, it's okay. very close to Sherwood Forest, which is a real place in Nottingham. <laughs> so the team there is Nottingham Forest. The problem is they've been terrible and irrelevant for like 25 years, but they got um, promoted this past year and now they are in the premier league and i went i even ordered a jersey okay <laughs> a kit a kit i should say i have it um they played their first game saturday and lost two nothing uh did not look very good but now i do have a team so i will root for nottingham because uh family members did live there at some point so that's what i just wanted to look for some natural like connection so i know their players names now um we'll see if it lasts through the season and that's that's a good one as well i mean that's a super historic team you know uh, one of the few english teams to win the champions league well yes. back then uh we're always a decent premier league team until they got relegated in i think 99 i want to say yeah it's been 23 years yep yeah. you're exactly uh, right your math is perfect uh and yeah so th i mean that's that's a good one great fan base really passionate fans so that's uh that's, that's a good one. You're not supporting one of the oil rich clubs or the right, right. There's a fan club in St. Louis, the Nottingham Forest fan club that I, I, I followed on social media. They followed me back. So I don't know if they will welcome me in or not, but, um, I have my, I have my home kit. I didn't get a name on the back, but not that committed. Um, <laughs> Are you going to be one of those 6am, 6am soccer fans tweeting that's a disgrace? We'll see. Like, I always think like the beginning of the season, like I'll, I'll do that. And then like college game day comes on and like, you know, you switch instead to go watch like the Northwestern Iowa game at 11 a.m. Like, that's eh, a little bit more interesting. So I'll watch that. So we'll see. All right. I'd say we have, we have probably lost all of our Mizzou listeners at this point. But, uh, maybe, yeah. Uh, any, any more questions? Uh, somebody asked who is going to play receiver this year? Well, Missouri's got a bunch. Uh, I think it could be, you know, for the, sake of repeating last year's mistake of declaring the strength of the team too early. I, I do think it could be the strength of the team. Yeah. Uh, when you talk about Luther Burden, Dominic Lovett, 
where we haven't mentioned Toski Dove. I yep. thought he had, he had he did everything last year except catch a touchdown. Um, yeah. <laughs> Barrett Bannister, Mookie Cooper. I I like Chance Looper. The, yep. What we've seen of him, he's a I think a big play threat. So they have guys there. It's just a matter of who's throwing them the ball. And I I think this could be a team where the receivers make the quarterback instead of the quarterbacks make the receivers. If if that makes sense. Could very well be. And if it is Brady Cook that starts, I mean, from what we saw from him, he's a super accurate thrower. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I just, I, you know, when, when you have that level of talent, yeah, you could be right. I mean, that's, um, it re- really could help that, that battle, um, right. let, bring them on through that. And he knows, I think Brady knows who he is too. He, I don't yeah. think he's going to be Drew Locke out there and think that he can just out throw yeah. the defense on every, every snap if it ends up being him uh he'll he'll know that hey i just put the ball in the hands of guys like burden and looper and and cooper and dove and love it and all of them and see if it works so on paper it sounds great so i i do think that that is the if i had to bet on the strength of this team the best unit i would start at wide receiver yeah i would have to agree with that okay here's a tough question uh um. I, I i lost who asked it but it said, who is the third string quarterback? <laughs> I guess we're just skipping the starter and the backup. Um, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be the same throughout the year. You know, I really don't. And, I, and if we know, if we learned anything from Eli Drinkwitz, he'll have a starter and then he'll have an or yep. behind the starter. So we'll never really know who the backups, who the true backup is. Yeah, that, that, that seems about right. I mean, it's, I mean, he did. I remember – Get him getting asked about um, is there a chance that they have two quarterbacks and but you know it was a slightly yeah. different answer to what they gave last year where you have if you have two quarterbacks you have no quarterbacks that old adage and then this right. year being a little bit different where they'd be willing to do it week one it seems um, yeah I think we have to find out who the first and second string quarterbacks are yeah. before three <laughs> I'm really intrigued by Tyler Macon I just I want to I want to see what he can do. I don't think he threw the ball nearly as well as Cook did last year. He does have that running ability. And I, while I think Cook is a good runner and fast runner, maybe the same speed as Macon or not much different. Macon is a little more shifty, obviously. I thought just watching him run the ball a few times last year, that Vanderbilt game, a little bit in the Georgia game, there is some wiggle to him. I will say this about him, and I know it's some people have written him off. Um, He's in really good shape, a lot yeah. better shape than he was a year ago. Like I thought he had a little baby fat on him when he, when he got here last year. Um, he's cut that out and he, he is, he looks like, you know, a college quarterback now uh, just trim things up a little bit. And, you know, I don't know if he's got a real shot to win this thing, uh, but until they say he doesn't, then you got to consider him, you know, part of this competition. Absolutely. You know, and it's, it's, it's strange how he's kind of become the forgotten man there just with, I think it's just the circumstances around him more than anything he's done. Uh, you know, you've got Brady who started more games. You've got Jack Abraham who's been in college since the early 2000s. Um, yeah. You've got Sam Horn who obviously just, you know, everyone everyone loves a four-star coming in. Everyone loves a, you know, right. a talented quarterback. So he's just kind of been left by the wayside a little bit, but nothing that we've seen from him really should discount him, I don't think. That's the... right. So, right. yeah, and he's you know he's he's a uh, I give those guys credit for not transferring. I mean we they could have when um, when Drinkwood started looking around for a, another quarterback and gets Abraham and uh, they they want to you know see what they can do in this thing and I, I think it'd be surprising if you know three of these guys are still on the team next year. Now Abraham won't be; he's out of eligibility. But 
it'd be surprising if all three of them are. Uh, and also Missouri's got another four star coming in next year in, in Jabari Johnson. So, um, but you know, let's not, it's crazy to get ahead of ourselves too much. <laughs> Competition and camp and uh, we'll be out there reporting on as much as we, we can see uh, and, uh, and, and doing our best to, you know, preview this team before everything kicks off on, on September 1st. When, when you will be in the press box with me, we're, you're going to be at every home game, uh, maybe make it out to some road games. Uh, the plan is you'll write a couple stories a week. You've got two coming up this week. Uh, it's going to be really fun working together. This, this position has kind of evolved uh, since the first year we did it with Annie Rogers, who's now a, you know, MLB uh, writing star covering the Royals. Uh, boy, talk about a tough beat to cover. <laughs> feel bad for Andy all the time when I look at the standings and look at the, uh, how the things are going in the American league, but, but Callum is here and you're going to do a great job. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, we'll plug your, your coverage every week on the podcast, whether we're chatting with Ben or we have a guest on. Um, but this season's going to, going to be here before we know it. Oh, it's, it's already flying along. All right, that'll do it for uh, this week's podcast. We want to remind our listeners, please check us out at stltoday.com slash podcast, where you can find the Eye on the Tigers podcast after every episode. We're going to really work to do uh, one a week at least. Maybe we'll do two. Uh, it just depends on you know how things kind of unfold during the week, leading up to the season and then during the season. But also, please subscribe. You can find us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. If so, please leave us a comment. We always enjoy your feedback i checked out the comments last week and they were they were pretty positive i was pleasantly surprised um, but we want to thank uh we want to thank callum we're going to be doing this a bunch this year and you'll hear uh you'll hear his voice a bunch this season uh we're going to sign off now and we will revisit the podcast and do it all again next week <laughs>